What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in to the Futures Radio Show podcast. Very interesting show for you guys today. Brought back my good friend and favorite macro trader, Ira Harris. Got Ira's reaction to today's FOMC statement and Fed Chair Powell's conference following the statement. Then we talked about Paul Tudor Jones' comments from earlier in the week. And then we got into China. And this was very interesting to me. Ira believes that China is the story right now that traders should be focusing on. Then later in the show, we went to the charts. We looked at gold, silver, five-year, 30-year, NASDAQ, a little bit of copper, the dollar, that, and a whole lot more. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group. And in July, micro WTI futures are coming to CME. They'll be one-tenth the size of the benchmark WTI futures and will provide traders with a new tool to fine-tune their exposure to crude oil markets and enhance their trading strategies in an efficient, more precise way. To learn more, go to activetrader.cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small-cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. So Ira, today we had the Fed meeting. I want to get into the recap with you. Uh, that's important, but... Listening to you talk lately, reading some of the posts that you've been putting out. This Fed meeting was important. The Fed is always important. And you and I are going to go to the charts in a little bit here, and we're going to go over some of the impact uh, that we saw from today's FOMC meeting and, and what impacts it had on the markets. So I want to start off with just what you thought what the Fed uh, did today and, and what Paul had talked about in his speech there's a few things I thought that were pretty interesting in there, uh, some funny parts as well. <laughs> but uh, And then I want to get into really where you believe the big story is China. And you believe the big story is China. And actually, I want you to talk about how when Paul Tudor Jones earlier this week was talking about um, you know, whether inflation is transitory and how he said that this is a very important meeting for the Fed. And we heard that whole discussion uh, on CNBC, like I said, all of you out there, if you haven't watched that, I've already done a show on this earlier in the week. I think you need to see it. And Ira has, you have some thoughts on on how why he should be mentioning China and the yuan because that's really the big story. That's that's even the bigger story than what the Fed uh, is talking about with inflation. You feel that that is what traders really need to be watching. So let's just start off today and just give us a quick recap of what you thought about today's Fed meeting. What? I thought it went, went exactly as I discussed this morning and with Pax's room. They tweaked um, the uh, reverse repo and the IOER, and that was because they want to end, they don't want the headlines about the fear of the money market funds breaking into negative territory. So they wanted to put an end to that because it's really causing havoc with the amount of funds slashed around the system, especially because. What they didn't do, they didn't they didn't uh, announce any plans to talk about talk about talking about uh, cutting the uh, QE, and the fact that Peter, people like people Peter Book, Bookfire have been banging the table, and I think rightfully so. Okay, 
You want to buy treasuries? Fine. Well, why are you buying mortgage-backed securities? $40 billion a month. So there's no cut to that because that's wreaking havoc on the housing market, by the way, sending housing prices much higher. And that's been the point. So there was no discussion of that. So that was a bunch of tweaks. But the way the algos and such will pick it up is that, well, the Fed was hawkish. I listened to it. I don't believe, I, I, I don't even look at the dot plots. I haven't read <laughs> they or a joke. Totally. Even joke. talks about that they really don't have any meaning and that forecasters need to be much more humble. They said that today in the press conference, that they have a lot to be humble about because th their track record is very poor. So why do I even care about them? Uh, those who are lazy care about them because it gives you an easy picture. They're uh, for the media. They are. They are. They are for, you know me. I, you know Anthony. One of the, what I really believe I always bring to the discussion is nuance and context, and the dot plots have absolutely no nuance and context. And it's for people who don't want nuance. They just oh, that's what they think. Well, well, what's their track record? <laughs> well, I tell you what, if they were if they were offering bets, if they were a betting service, they'd been out of business long ago. So, uh, so I. But I thought the tweaks were important because it, it signified that they are concerned. And Lori Logan, who's the head of the uh, system open market account, the SOMA, evidently got her way, in my opinion, totally my opinion, and said, hey, we got to do something to tweak this issue with overnight uh, funds. So they did that. But outside of that, I, I, I thought it was, you know, business as usual and pretty dovish. Always great hearing your thoughts on it. I mean, I thought similar, uh, and I want to go back to the Paul Tudor Jones from but, earlier in the week. But I offer one caveat. Right now, the market's telling me I'm wrong. I'm wrong because they want to believe this was more hawkish. I'm looking at the metals as we're talking right now, and the gold is on its lows. It's down to uh, 1827 right now. So it's it's had a sizable break from the uh, the pit, what we call the pit close. It's down $34. So they're seeing this is more okay so i certainly respect that i lost a few dollars trading the gold i i waited because i was looking for this so i thought they'd break the gold i didn't think it would be able to sustain this break but they're evidently seeing more so i respect it and we'll go with it but the yield curve 530 especially flattened dramatically yeah we'll go to the charts here everybody when we take a break um uh, and come back a little bit later in the show but i, I really want to stay on I think just the, the initial reaction to um, today's Fed meeting. And earlier in the week, Paul Tudor Jones on CNBC said this is probably the most important FOMC meeting. I told everybody, if you haven't watched this, go and watch it. Um, he goes and talks about how he believes that the, the Fed needs to start addressing the fact that inflation is not transitory uh, and he doesn't see it. Uh, the world that way. And he felt that commodities would be an interesting place to look uh, because he said that, uh, uh, I thought this was an interesting set. I didn't know this 88 billion or $88 trillion of money by uh, is being managed by money managers and only 670 billion of it. And I know you remember that comment he said about it was in the commodities. So he said that there was a big short there. I mean, basically saying that, you know, there's just not enough people uh, that they're not, putting enough into commodities out of that 88 trillion. I don't think he was talking about it in the sense of like a bunch of people were short. Um, so he said they could double or triple from here. Um, and what I'm curious is, do you feel that 
First of all, what are your thoughts on his comments? Like I mentioned at the beginning that you said you're surprised he didn't address China. You still think that's the bigger story. But getting to today's Fed meeting, did they do anything uh, to make his concern? Uh, uh, they, did they do anything to address what Paul Tudor Jones said uh, this past week? Well, that would be a question I would ask Paul Tudor Jones. And if I was sitting in that news conference today, I would have, and I didn't hear the question, maybe somebody else did. I would have asked Bernanke directly, uh, Bernanke, I'm sorry, <laughs> Owl about, directly about Tudor Jones' concern. I mean, that's yeah. a fair I agree. Point, I right? think it is, sure. This is no lightweight. No, <laughs> no. This is somebody who's has impact in the markets, which is why CNBC, of course, had him on when they did. And that should have been a question. Are, do you have any, is Paul Tudor Jones right? My uh, interest in Paul Tudor Jones was that Paul talked about and Sorkin danced him around with Reddit and uh, what he would do. And, you know, and I understand what that means, as you do, Anthony, because he's a momentum. Sure. Right. Absolutely. That's not all he is, but he certainly understands the power of that. And that's what he was alluding to, that we're underinvested. and, And then if we really use leverage and get this going, commodities are way underpriced. But the biggest player is China. And China has been the biggest. China has lifted. If you put up a uh, Bloomberg Commodity Index, a BCOM on, uh, on CQG, if you put up a monthly, you'd be amazed at what you would see. And last, a year ago, we were making lows down at 58 and 59. Today, let's see, let me give you the... Uh, where we closed at 93.41. So we've bounced off of last year's lows due to COVID of, you know, a little more than a year ago now. We've bounced almost uh, 50% off the lows. I, I hate using those extremes, but but, it, but if you look at a chart, we're at 93. If you go back to 2008 for that same index, now 2008 was certainly a problem year, right? Anybody remember 2000? <laughs> I kind of remember that year. Yeah, me too. Uh, so in July of 2008, would you care? Now, that was in the height. Well, October of 2008, we get Lehman, right? So prior to Lehman, and this was after Brayer Stern, so the Fed was getting very aggressive. The Bloomberg Commodity Index, which is now sitting at 93.44, was in July of 2008 and made its all-time highs at 238. Want me to say it again? 238. So Paul Tudor Jones, we're, we're trading uh, roughly, uh, I don't know, um, 35% of that, 36% in commodities. And, and then it came crashing down and then we rallied. And then when the, well, and then the Fed, even at the QE, it couldn't rally. Now we're looking at, we're very looking interesting. So, uh, you know, Paul is right. And what does that represent? Is that people are way underinvested. But the Chinese are not underinvested. And I believe everything you've seen so far from crude oil, I don't like this index because it's too heavily weighted, but so does Goldman Sachs in the, in the energy sector. Because if you use the Goldman Sachs, whatever you want to use. Let me put that up just, you can run these uh, for everybody. Let's see if I can put that up. Um, sure. 
And while you're pulling up that chart, I just want to quickly say, yeah, I, I mean, people say to me, uh, people say to me, well, why do I care about what Paul Tudor Jones says? Or why should I, you know, he's on there, he's probably talking his book and whatever. I mean, that's what everybody does on TV anyway. Yeah, but right. uh, he, he's got a commodities background. Uh, and I want to hear what he thinks about commodities. I mean, that's what we do, right? And when you've got a guy like him out there talking that way, I, I, yeah, you pay attention to it. Don't pay attention to, to a lot of people, but he's one that, that I do pay attention to. And just hearing him speak the way that he, he did, it's not often you hear someone like him come on TV and say it's a green light to be all in the inflation trades and, and talking about commodities. Now, once again, Right, wrong, I don't know. I look at it like this as a trader that could be a market mover, and I also want to you know, hear guys' uh, thoughts like that. And, and from talking to you, what I think is the most interesting thing, and, and, and you really opened my eyes to this and I just didn't see it, um, is and how important China really is in this and why Paul should have really been addressing them because for them, they're, they're buying a lot of these commodities. They're driving the price up um, with... The movement in, in the one, as you've talked about, how that's been going up and they've been buying a, a lot of these commodities. And to me, I feel like that's really just that's really just a bigger issue almost than the Fed. I mean, the Fed matters for definitely some things uh, that we're going to talk about later when we look at the charts. I mean, we're talking about market wise here. Obviously, the, the Fed matters. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying specifically for inflation, some of the things we're looking at uh, in the in the commodity space. This is really more of a is driven by China is what you're saying. But, you know, and if you're going to take it, well, why should I listen to Paul Tudor Jones? He's just talking his book. OK. Yeah. OK. You can be that cynical, but then you better not read or, or look at anything because whatever you're going to read, unless it's from Ira Harris, because I'm not selling you anything, is somebody trying to sell you something. Exactly. Paul Tudor Jones isn't selling you anything. Because you can't get into his fund. So he really doesn't care. And you're not really going to help him anyway. You know, my 10, 20, 30 lots are not going to make a difference. Now, yes, if it's uh, 10,000 Ira Harris's, yeah, it makes a difference. But he's not selling you. And he doesn't, you're, you're, as he would tell you, he doesn't want you piggybacking him. He's just, a, he's discussing ideas. And it, and it took, you know, it was to, to really prompt Robin Hood, which is the charity foundation that he started to really help, especially inner city youth in New York and Harlem. And so it's dope. And he's got to be able to sell something good. Yeah, he's selling something. He's selling ideas. But, but people aren't going to pay that ticket to go to a Robin Hood function if, if the content is crap. So take off your cynics hat and, and maybe listen a little bit. You might learn. So, so. Sometimes some people's opinions are worth more than others. Is really <laughs> oh, that goes uh, for sure. So I, I want to stay on this with China right now and why you believe this is such an important role in everything that's happening right now, because this is one of those things where I'll read your posts, I'll hear you talk, and it's like I get it. I you know I I kind of get it right, and eventually. It, all of a sudden there's these light bulbs go off and I go, I understand why he's saying this now. And I just want you to, to really walk this back for everybody and explain to them why China right now really is what's happening there is the story and what happens with them and really determining whether inflation is transitory or not and all this. I, I agree with you. And, and 
And that's again, if this thesis is right, and I think there's, there's a lot of credibility to it because other people have written about it for years that this was going to take place. The Fed, the ECB, the Bank of Japan is a different story. Japan has been a different story for many reasons. But the ECB, Bank of Canada, Bank of England, they've all been talking about how they haven't been able to hit their inflation targets, which a lot of people who are analysts who I respect laugh at anyway. Paul Volcker laughed at it. He thought it was a ridiculous concept. Um, and I have great respect for Volcker. But a lot, you know, they've, it's like th those who sit on CNBC, where's the inflation? Where's the inflation? Well, for 25 years, China has kept a lid on global inflation. Because the way capitalism works, when you do, do all this capital, CapEx, capital expenditure, you bring all this capacity online. You brought a billion workers. Let's go back to 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall. Things start in motion. All of a sudden, all these workers who were being suppressed and crushed in all these nations were now starting to be unleashed. Well, money fouled basically arbitraged um, wages. So you had money move into, China was a later story, but we certainly went into the Asian tigers, uh, Eastern, Eastern European nations. They were following the cheap, money was following the cheap labor. That's why capital has been so richly rewarded over the last 32, 33, 34 years. Hugely, the rewards, everybody who writes about it, you know, talks about, that the, the you know, wages, I would tell you that that was responsible for Trump and maybe other things that'll take it. Cause the, the middle has said, we've been squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. Okay. But it was squeezed because of Chinese, cause money flowing to China, Chinese workers coming from the hinterlands into the factories, the manufacturing the massive goods, exporting them around the world and keeping pressure, downward pressure on all types of manufactured goods. That was deflationary, no matter, or disinflationary, or whatever way, whatever word, we can be precise, it kept, it kept pressure on, on what we consider to be inflation. That's why I never had any uh, for the Phillips curve. I, even when I was in graduate school, I, did, I said there's no global component to it. It's a domestic measure. Well, that's kind of silly when money, especially is, is running around the world looking for to, to arbitrage wages. So China exporting that massive amount of goods, you going to Walmart and being able to pick up that or that or that Ikea, you're buying cheaper goods. You're putting pressure on anybody else who's manufacturing goods. But if China turns it, meaning that instead of exporting 65% of what they produce, they start only exporting 45, 50%, and consuming, or maybe even more. Now, the pressure, downward pressure on global wages and rates dissipates. And not only that, that means that they're gonna be, that means that they've reached a point of, of, of um, per capita income that the Chinese people are consuming more. Chinese people are consuming more. That means they're consuming more beef, more beef, more soybeans, more protein, more corn, more wheat, uh, more coffee, everything. So where they were a push downward, they are now 
that will um, that will be changed. And I think we saw it in food prices over the last two years because we had, and that was my point, we saw record crops, record crops. So there is no bottleneck in the in food markets. There's no bottle. Yes, there was the swine flu, but that today they're talking about that they have such massive amounts of um, of um, of pork, you know, that they're going to stop importing it. So you saw uh, August hogs were limited down today, but they're going to play with everybody because they, you know, what they China will always ensure that they have enough food because. Lack of food in China is a serious, serious, serious thing. There will never be. They, they have, as, as when I would lecture at different universities over the years, and there are a lot of Chinese students in the classes, we would sit and have discussions that China bent the supply curve, the demand curve, global demand curve for food. And now it's really coming to fruition. Because, and what tells me that is if I'm right, and you're going to import more because you need more well you want a stronger currency yep right because it doesn't make any sense you want a stronger currency and and it, over this whole period which nobody very few people have paid attention to the yuan over the last year and i'm talking exactly a year has rallied 14 percent that's in, big into a slowing economy which is diametrically opposed to what all the theoreticians thought, that China would do everything to protect its share of world, global trade. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So that's, that's what put me onto it. And again, I will argue with those who will say, well, prices are transitory up because of bottlenecks, because of you know all the shutdowns. And, but you can't say that about Raw, raw material prices like food. Iron ore, there's as much iron ore, somebody's been buying it. Copper, there's no shortage of copper. Somebody's been stockpiling the hell out of it. And that's in a, an economy that was slow and on its knees, right? Uh, it's so interesting to me. I, I have to say you're the only person I've really heard talk about this in, in that kind of detail. And it really is an eye opener. And what it makes me think is, is how much power does the fed really have in con in controlling this if they think inflation is transitory i mean getting back to what you talked about and said that you were kind of disappointed that paul tudor jones didn't address this because to me this is not something the fed really can do much about am i wrong well they can do something about it they can raise rates <laughs> no don't laugh i mean that's a policy response i don't yeah. think it's a stable policy response but I think it's a policy response. Will they go sure. to Not, not with this treasury, not with this administration. It no way. Trump either. Yeah, you know, no, no chance. A political statement, but they're not going. And if you raise rates, the cost of financing this massive deficit that you're building up in the United States goes. If you raise rates high enough to do that, they, that goes up exponentially. So actually, the Chinese are actually brilliant by doing this. Because they know you're not going to do that. Yeah. They know. Who just raised rates? Russia. Russia raised rates. It's the marginal economies that are raising rates because they see some of this taking place, price rising, and they want to get out ahead of it. The Fed, forget about it. Not happening. 
Sorry. Yep. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, so, okay. What I want to do now is I want to pause for 45 seconds, everybody. When I come back, Ira, what I want to do with you is I want to pull up a bunch of charts. Uh, today, uh, the 530 is something that we're going to start off by talking about. You said that was the number one thing you, you got yeah. from a market moving yeah. perspective today. Then we'll look at gold, copper, dollar, and a few other things. So hang tight, traders. We'll be back in 45 seconds. Yep. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated, and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange. We are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity. All in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. Welcome back, traders. I now have the charts up. If you are listening to this on audio only, I will upload these charts in the post on anthonycredelli.com. Or you can go and check us out on YouTube. Ira, first I pulled up uh, a five-minute, five-year, a five-minute, 30-year chart. I don't have the 530 up here, mm -hmm. but I wanted to pull up uh, both of these markets. They both had decent moves, but the 530 is what you said was really very interesting to you. So uh, talk to us about what you saw after the Fed announcement today. Well, I, I thought this would happen with the Fed announcement with the tweaking of the overnight to to affect what we call the plumbing of the uh, of the market, the, uh, especially the interest rate markets and the short dates. That if they did this, and, and they did both, they did both. They raised the, the repo rate, reverse repo five eight, from zero to five, and they raised the interest on excess reserves from 10 basis points to 15, so that the market would then see there won't be that flood of money and they, and that they might interpret it as a tightening. I don't think that it's a tightening. I think it's just a plumbing issue. But if that's the case, that they would move to start to tighten. Now, some people will talk about the dot plots. I find those to be honestly boring and ridiculous, except if they move the markets, I got to pay attention to them. Um, yeah. So you did see a monster move, 10, 10 basis points on the 530. Now, interestingly, the, the 210 actually steepened at the same time they, they beat the hell out of the 10 because that to me the fives and ten it's so it's the belly of the curve that was the most vulnerable and the market deemed the most overpriced on this type of action so that's what we saw but the 30 is held in there really pretty well it is. has really gotten uh beat up and if you had the 530 on i had a few on so it was a good trade and i was able to pick up, i'll be out of it by the end of the day um but it was an interesting move, and it, and it made perfect sense in regard to that. And I pulled it up on the daily, and I got the five-year on the daily on the left, and then the moving averages, everybody, are the, the, the magenta is the 200-day, the red is the 10-day, and the green is the 50-day. And I just pulled these up, and I just want to you know, just get some bigger-picture perspective. Both of these moves actually, well, the, the five-year potentially took it out of this recent uptrend. The 30-year stayed within trend. What do you see going forward from from these markets? I, I don't know because, again, so much of this is what I would consider algo-driven. They read the headlines, oh, you know, and then there's the reaction. And, again, there's a lot of people who 
who I would need to see in the bond market who aren't there. You know, what, what most people fail to realize and fail to remember is that the Fed doesn't hedge its book. So the Fed is carrying a massive book, uh, seven trillion. Fed doesn't hedge. If that, if two or if two or three trillion of that was in pension funds and insurance companies and individual investors, there'd be a lot of hedging against the inflation risk. But there is none. So I don't know. You know, this is this is a hard read here. If the Fed, I you know the metals right now are telling me the market is deeming. The Fed to be very hawkish. The metals are getting uh, the hell beat, beat out of them right now. Gold's down fifty dollars. Yeah, let's pull up gold now. I actually just pulled up gold on the five minute on the left, yeah. and I'm going to pull up Look silver. So right now, the and market it's reading this as the Fed hawkish. Yes, I respect that. Oh, fine, fine. I took a, I took a, I bought gold on the initial break. Took a you know a few dollar loser. I'll be back at it, but. Right now, yeah. the market's saying, hey, the, we think they're serious. I, I don't see it, but my opinion is just that, an opinion, and it's not worth pursuing here because the market's telling me it's not worth pursuing. So so I, I'll see what, what develops here. The dollar's rallied. So you've had things that say, hey, this is hawkish. I, okay. Uh, the most hawkish part about it was the movement at the, in the belly of the curve in the 5 and 10, and probably even to the three to the ten, so you've gotten a lift there. Rates yeah. have jumped pretty dramatically, and so the market's taking its read off of that. The algos are reading that. Go ahead, be on your way. Uh, equity markets, you know. They're... We'll get to equities in a second. I want to stay on gold real quick because okay. here's the one thing: when I look at um, gold, I got stopped out of it today again. I've been this. Gold has been a torture chamber for me this year. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I mean, the beginning of the year, I was making money with it, and then uh, just just getting, getting completely chopped up. It's funny. Lately, I went on a decent run with it and made some money, made some money, keep trading around a core position, got stopped out of everything again today. Uh, and I'm just like, you know what? It, it's It's got me to the point where I'm just getting tired of buying it, so it's probably ready. You know, I mean, I look at it and go, I'm just, it's like running on the treadmill but not getting any of the any of the athletic results. <laughs> But um, at least I'm not losing on it now because I bought the dip pretty good last time. No, once again, this is not about me and my trading. But when I look at it right now, I go, it's now taking out all these moving averages again, which I like to see how it is um, it, it within trend. But what I find so interesting is, is that exactly what you said. I think that's the important part, piece, and component to take away from today because, you know, I am somebody who I'm very technical, but I have to watch the Fed days. I don't really trade them. Today was, like I said, swing positions. I got stopped out in gold. Okay. But when I look at it, I say the Fed changed the trend again. And this is important. Right, wrong, and different, I don't know. I mean, I looked at it and said I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, the gold, and gold just kept down ticking. I'm like, they're going to get me out. And so I guess when you know, I look at you and I say, is this really – is are the gold people right or wrong? Is it is it not really something you would look at it that way? But uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts on this. You know what? I th I believe that the gold will be will be right. But to me, it's a trade. I'm not locking up with it. I keep a, yeah. a a core cash position because that's just which is I've been in for so long that I I go to bed at night and hope that gold goes back to four hundred dollars. I do. <laughs> <laughs> because the world would be a better place. Yeah. I, 
There's not, not a gold bug, but as I will cynically say, I'm not a fiat currency bug either. I trade what I, what I see in the world and the policy that reflects it. Now, today the gold is reacting out there. And, and as you say, Anthony, gold has been a very tough trade because it's caught between this, you know, especially for gold to go up even while the equity markets are performing so well, right? Because usually when the equity markets are good, why would you want to be in gold at all? Much better returns in the equity markets and they pay you a dividend. And so there's, there's a lot more to it, but yet they both went up together because they were both looking at the Fed and going, well, they're just pumping liquidity. So I got to have a little of this and a little of that. Because even Tudor said, what did he say? Buy 5% of your portfolio in gold. Yeah, he did. He said that Monday. Yeah, I know. He, and- said, he said that Monday. Now they've just given you a, a, certainly a better opportunity. But, you know, for the year, gold <laughs> what down. Uh, I'm looking at probably right. I, I took gold off. For, you know, I'm just, you know, once again, I look at it and say, what I, what I find interesting is that the weak, I don't want to say the weak hands, but it's interesting. It's interesting to me when I watch Fed days. I used to trade them a lot more actively. I don't really now. I, I come into the day with swing positions. I don't even modify them. I just basically, you know, whatever happens, happens. I have my stops in, or I look for potential opportunities to get in. I actually tweeted about this this morning, and I said, "You and I agree on this. We've talked about this a lot. I use the Fed days as great entry points um, because if the market overshoots, and I think it's um, basically a nothing." Uh, thing that they were talking about, the market overshoots in one direction or, or another, then I like that as an opportunity to get in. And right. that's why I was asking you what you thought about gold, because I'm like, now I'm out again. And I'm looking at it going, was did I just get out or is this the entry on my stuff? It's not getting me in. But I think that right now we got to wait another day or two to see what happens here. I mean, just to see what gold does in general. And I, I kind of mentioned weak hands. I just think that Everyone was a lot like me going, okay, if gold's going to go, this is the point it's going to start going. And it didn't. And yeah. so maybe it was the weekend shakeout. Maybe it sets back up. But anyway, I want to move on to some other markets. And I pulled up the dollar. Did you want to say something about gold? Even gold bugs who I know, I'm, I'm getting texts right now as we're talking. Worthless <laughs> position. This is it's, someone who is yeah. very knowledgeable about gold. But they're trading it wrong. You're not supposed to. Right now, it's caught in a range. Trade the range. And it's trading so nicely against, you know, I use it as a relative trade, especially against currencies. So it's, I'm not locking up with it. Go do yeah. what you want to do. Okay. Well, here's what I look at it. And I want to say, you know, I, this second, this last time around, I traded it better. And I actually talked about this in the recent podcast is that yeah. you can't press gold. You can't press gold on highs. No. Nope. It, it, I, if the fact that I'm trading it small now and I wait for the kind of the blowout bottoms to really set up and I get in late uh, after they've already bottomed out, which I do in most of my trading anyway, it's been much better for me. Still not really getting anywhere with it, but that's for a different a different discussion, a different day. I want to go to go but ahead. You're, but you're learning its characteristics. Yes, that's the truth. The market I mean, has characteristics. A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, it, this is why we always say you learn by losing. I mean, and it's been, exactly. like I said, it's been frustrating uh, for me it and is, I feel like is. I've been trading it really well. <laughs> you know, you think I look back and go, man, I did. and then I just added a couple of times on highs, but once again, um, we'll wait for the next opportunity for, uh, the, I'll talk about gold of course, in upcoming shows, but I want to go to the NASDAQ and I pulled up the dollar here. You know, I look at, uh, the NASDAQ's move today was really nothing. I mean, very muted. I mean, it went down to when it go down to the ten day moving average, big deal, yeah. uh, you know. And the dollar rallied, and the dollar rallied pretty good. Another thing, kind of supporting 
that the Fed took this as hawkish, right? Right, Ira, mm -hmm. or no? No, no, it did. And the dollar, well, the dollar still, okay, we're making lows right now in the euro as we talk. Um, so everything's going out. Oh, we're, we're in the last minute, so everything's going out on its lows. Very nice. Yeah, there's um, euro. I pulled that up. So, yes, the market right now is taking hawkish, but still the euro, you know, okay, we're at 120, still pretty good because interest rates in Europe really didn't move much after that. I'm, I, you know, I, was looking, I watched the Bund and French Oats are still open, so up until 3, three o'clock Chicago time. So, I mean, nothing was really um, disastrous. Let's see what the United States, let's see what the differential on the, uh, on the German, yeah. While you're looking for that, I mean, you know what I look for, and maybe you could, we'll go to some markets here and see yeah. if anything um, like this is set up. But while while you're looking for that, just I'm thinking about what markets broke trend today, or what markets got more uh, aggressive within trend. And the only thing I really saw that broke trend with the stuff that I look at was uh, the five year. I mean, that broke trend to the upside. Oh, yeah. Aside from that, I look at it and go. Yeah, maybe the euro got hit a little bit harder. I think when I look at this now, I'm not really trading that, but I didn't see that. Like I said, nothing else really got outside of trend. Um, did you find the set you were looking for? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah well, the, the differential on the on the bond to the U.S. ten-year. So we we're at one seventy-two this morning. We're probably at one eighty-two, eighty-three right at one eighty-three. So the dollar's rallying because you had a widening out of the yeah. yield differential, and especially because people are short dollars. They're in a short dollar position right now. Yeah. Because uh, Tudor threw the gauntlet down, so people, and they're late to it, but okay. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I, going back to what I was looking for today, I mean, I'm not in Bitcoin right now either. I, I have some stuff I've been holding, but I even look at that. I look at that on the daily. And it broke a little bit. Nothing really there. Uh, I'll pull up ETH here for a second, which I do have a pretty big position on an ETH. Um, but but it, um, and also, you know, don't you can never forget, and your listeners can never forget. The, the job of the market is to cause as much pain and aggravation to as many people as possible <laughs> on a daily basis. It's just, it's, it's what it is. I know, it, it's just absolutely. And that's his job. Yeah, and, and I mean that. And I mean no, I, that. We know, I know. I, I, ETH actually held up pretty well. So once again, it's another just a range-bound market. It hasn't done much. What should we be looking at? What other markets do you think uh, I should be looking at on a day like this before we close out today? I'm just curious if anything really changed from today. I mean, I, a lot of times I do really think that that's one of the most important things I take away from a Fed meeting or a big announcement, especially after Paul Tudor Jones was talking about this as being a, Fed, a big Fed announcement. What broke technical trend? Where was there confirmation that it believed that uh, what the Fed said and it's going to have actual impact for money-making opportunities? Well, copper's reversal day is a problem because it was up. It was trying to rally this morning and then fail. Let's go to copper. Yeah. And that extended, that's one of those where it was breaking out to the down or breaking down to the downside and not breaking out, but pulling back. And that got accelerated a little bit. Right. And, yeah. and it looked like it was going to turn around. And so today, so you, you know what, they're going to run with this. The interesting thing is how does Tudor, who's going to ask Tudor Jones the question about, was this a, did the Fed do enough today? Yeah, that's why it's, what's why I asked you. I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, is, did this solve it? I mean, I, 
I'd like to hear back from him and see what he says about it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But uh, that's why we, we, we play this game called trading, Ira. But, uh, I, no, I, but you have to pay attention to that because that's – but see, CNBC puts that out. Where's the foul? They should have exactly. had him on live. Is this enough? Is it you? You laid, you foamed the runway, so to speak. Uh, no. Yeah. Exactly. Because if the, if the, if okay, you opened up your mouth, you delivered this view, and now why aren't you telling us? Well, yeah, they did enough today. Are you saying that? I don't know. But if he turns around and tomorrow, in in, in forty five minutes we get a headline, hey, you know what? Uh, no, I don't think the you know. Well, how much are you buying? More importantly, how much are you buying? I don't yeah. care what your opinion is. Well, he said I, all in green light, right? Yeah, yeah, because I know, I know that the Chinese are waiting, and they're going to wait. And again, they're not going to let you front run them. Not going to happen. So right now, they're not. Why should I step into the market? If I was a Chinese, I'd put my feet up. I'd smoke a big Havana cigar. <laughs> hey. Prices are coming down. I know I need more, but I'm not going to tell you. So you know what? You keep selling and do go do the work for me. And that's what the market's going to do. No, nope, you're right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and anytime you have to buy a lot, you don't let anybody know about it. And you wait till things look pretty ugly and then you slowly step in. Uh, and you buy when people are selling. I mean, that's the thing is when you're a big buyer of anything, you want to have people selling. You need to have people selling, just like when you want to be a seller of something. And Anthony, we want, and the algos drive so much of this. They're, they're driving and they're not caring. Right now, if you are extricating the position, that's the thing about robots and artificial intelligence. When they, when they get into the trading mode, they're not set for price. Boom, 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 boom. I got liquidation to do. I'm liquidating. Yeah. Right? I'm set in motion and I'm setting into other automatic systems. So right now, today you are seeing what we saw massive selling in the metals. Silver got down to 2670. So silver's had a uh, uh, almost a dollar thirty range today. What? On a on a five pip move in interest rates? which was actually housekeeping and not any type of significant move. And don't tell me about the dot plots. I don't want to hear it. 2023 is so far away for anybody in our business. Oh, please. Exactly. Please. Silver actually, to me, just looks super range bound as, I mean, it's just as, it's not a market I trade. Uh, as bad as I've been trading gold lately, I can't imagine how bad I'd probably be trading silver. <laughs> that market is a is just always been tough for me. It's it's a tough market. It's a tough market because number one, it has more where gold has much more of a is a currency and a safe haven asset. Silver is an industrial metal, and yet it under all it finally moved with copper. It took it a long time. In fact, one of my favorite charts is the is the copper silver chart which I watch and we actually were trying this week to get a breakout of the um, 200 week moving average. And, and all that is, is a mean reversion, Yeah, but it struggled with it. So I'm keeping my eye on it. Um, 
And again, you know, I have a theory also about when the Chinese go to a digital, a, 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 a central bank digital currency, as we're now coming to call them, that theirs will be backed by precious metal. Just another one of my theories, but when, when Singapore built a 15,000 ton warehouse for specifically for silver next to the Singapore airport last year, I pay attention. You have to pay attention to something like that. <laughs> These are users. These are people. And that's why I was really kind of surprised that Paul didn't talk about China uh, and, its, and, it, and its role and his view on commodities. Because I, I think that is a very significant, um, as, as, you know, as we've talked about. And, and uh, everybody, will, you know, everybody will now, they'll all talk about the Fed as a Fed hawkish. And everybody will forget about everything, which is fine. That's what makes this such a great business to make up to to uh, to trade and invest in because people's heads get turned so easily. Yeah, no, you're right. And Ira, I gotta say, uh, thank you once again for opening my eyes to things that uh, I get, there. I just know I would not have figured out without you. I mean, I'd be perfectly honest about that. There's just there's just some things out there uh, that you know, as traders, and as much as we look at the market, we're not really seeing what's really happening. And you've opened my eyes to so many things over the years. You know that. But uh, thank no, you I again. And when are you going to get back to writing more? I wanted to talk about the blog, but you haven't been blogging much. Well, you know, I'm trying to do one a week. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work, and yet there's not really much changing. So when I see big things like that Schweigel column the other day. And then uh, these are worth discussing because this will move the needle. And I, I've been, I blogged quite a bit about my views on this China situation. Yeah, I was, I was hoping to do that podcast with Michael Pettis. I was really looking forward to it. It was, I, I, I really, I gone back into my books because they're all highlighted out. I've read his stuff, read three or four of his books. I've read so many of his column, uh, of his uh, journal articles. He's a, He's one of my favorites, you know, not that I always agree with him, but he's got a pretty good view and he's been sitting in China for quite a long time. Uh, and I think has a good handle on it. And I've been doing a lot of reading, you know, this is the time because to me, the markets, you know, I'm invested in the way that I am my trading. I've cut down my trading quite a bit right now. You know, I caught the dollar down. Uh, I had a, you know, a very nice year and I've been back and forth like you. I, it's been ebb and flow this year. Oh, I, no doubt. I mean, I've cut back my trading a, a substantial amount because I just, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. You know, I, my my best trade so far this year, I've talked about this on the show a lot, has been in, in Ethereum. I know you're not trading the crypto stuff, but I saw that and I did really well on that. And, you know, I've been doing very little everywhere else. I'm trading oil a little bit lately. That's been kind of good for me. But when it's grinding up the way it is, actually, we didn't talk about oil today, but, uh, you know, look it. It's it's we always we always have to adjust to to what the environment is and and how much we think we can take out of it and not not give too much back. I mean, that's that's really sometimes comes down to the simple truth of look at I just go back to gold. I've been trading gold smaller because of what I did earlier in the year, burning a hole in my pocket. This time around, I've been getting small as quick as I can, but actually using the micros for it to stay with some futures or options. And it's just such a been just such a relief because like today I'm going, huh, I got stopped out, still made a little bit of money. Okay, move on. Oh, Before I was getting aggressive on the highs thinking things were going to happen and they weren't. And so, you know, you smarten up. You made money on the long side today. That's a great trade. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's been a swing I've been in for a couple of weeks, but I mean, in general, overall, I'm finally, I'm out, out now. You know, I like getting in with these. If they go my way, just keep getting small, find a day to get back in, cover by yeah. the end of the day, keep small position and so on and so forth. But I, this that's was great. Pay, that's why I pay attention to what the Fed does, because it's good. Today was a perfect opportunity because I use it. To, for a low risk entry point relative to where it was this morning. I got in $35 lower, all based on, and, and then it went another $20 over. But I was out, so I, I used that, but my entry point was a point I was comfortable with, and I was able to cut my losses by 90%. Yeah. That's what I, I strive to do because had it turned around and uh, reacted in a way that I thought was right, then I would have, I would have had a uh, a ninety percent increase in my profits. Yeah. So. No. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it as well, always. You know what? One last thing: before coming out of the Fed, usually I have copious notes when Paul speaks. Here's my notes for the day. I mean, I fill pages when any Fed. This is ridiculous, and I, I started writing. And he cherry picked. He said, "Well, lumber prices are coming down. Used car prices are. Coming down. <laughs> and those are been, so he cherry picked it. Yep. And I said, "Oh, is this what this conference is going to be about? Nobody's going to push him on it. That's what we're talking about." And as and as Peter Bookbar texted me or uh, sent me an email, not one word about housing prices. Nobody asked a question about the the the, the great run up in housing prices. Not. I know. Well, a lot of questions out there, and I'll be tuning into your blog when you are writing. And thank you again, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank Stay you. cool out there in Arizona. Don't thank melt you on me. Doing. Yeah, I, I'm going to try. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.